What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast. Now, it is Monday, July 20th. We are one week away from the Golden Knights embarking to Edmonton to complete the 2019-2020 NHL season. We know the Golden Knights will be one of 16 teams playing for the Stanley Cup. And the tension and the anxiety is mounting every single day. Before we get to today's show, of course, we have to know that today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, amazing prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. Welcome back, everybody. I am Danny Webster. I am your host, and I appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which the Golden Knights were back at practice once again uh, they did practice on Sunday, nothing too noteworthy to report from there, but Monday was really the big uh, bit of news that I don't think a lot of people are concerned with at the moment, but given the fact that a lot of people were very concerned over the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't practicing for a whole week, the words leading scorer of Golden Knights unable to practice on Monday was not what I think a lot of people wanted to hear as Max Pacioretty was deemed, quote, unable to participate at Golden Knights practice on Monday, which included a 30-minute scrimmage of two 15-minute halves. I'll give my thoughts on the scrimmage in just a little bit. But the big story out of this before anybody even skated was that the Golden Knights leading scorer, the Golden Knights leading goal scorer as well, was not on the ice for this scrimmage, uh, Nick Cousins replaced Pacioretty on the top line with William Carlson and Mark Stone on this day in two teams of 15 players each playing in a 15 minute have uh, two 15 minute have scrimmages or two 15 minute periods of a scrimmage. You see where I'm going with this with words being a problem. I'm just saying words can be a problem at any given day of the week. Always remember that. Don't let words fumble your opportunity to greatness. I probably have read that in a fortune cookie somewhere. But it is kind of significant knowing that Max Pacioretty is not skating with the Golden Knights right now. You recall, before the season paused on March 12th, Pacioretty uh, was about to miss a couple of weeks due to a lower body injury where that injury took place or how that injury took place, remains to be seen. Knowing that the Golden Knights were about to embark on the remainder of their season, remaining three weeks or so, without two-thirds of their top line. Mark Stone was still injured, Max Pacioretty all of a sudden injured, and that's all we know. Now, Pacioretty has not spoken to the media since the pause, or not, yeah, he hasn't spoken to the media since the pause. He also has not spoken after any of the Zoom calls. This is the first time that he's been noticeably absent. And, you know, you again, in this climate, you do get a little concerned. But Pete DeBoer, whether he should have or not, is another issue here. But DeBoer did say to, once again, put all qualms to rest, that there was no positive test of COVID, which is not so immediately put that to the side. He was not on the ice and had nothing to do with COVID. Now that also ties into this next bit of bit, bit of news, which take this for how you will, basically is what I'm saying. You can look at this from 
One side is great job, NHL. You found a way to con- contain COVID-19 to the best of your abilities. The other way you look at it is, well, if this initiative of quote-unquote unfit to play wasn't in the cards, would people and teams be a little bit more forthcoming to this? And you could look at it from either way. But the NHL did announce today that out of 2,618 tests administered between July 13th and July 17th, two total positive tests have come back since then. Which, if you look at it from that standpoint, it sounds fantastic. But then you go off looking at really around the league. And the one notable person that I look at when I say that is Sidney Crosby of the Penguins, who has missed two days in practice now, who participated at first in the Penguins scrimmage, but then left. But due to the NHL coming out and saying that teams are not permitted to disclose to the media or to the public whether or not a player is, you know, injured or has caught COVID or is basically just feeling under the weather in general. Due to the fact that the NHL cannot announce or teams are not permitted to disclose this information, you of course have to understand why a lot of people would be concerned if some players, a la Fleury, a la Crosby, and now a la Pacioretty, are not participating in practice. The fact that DeBoer has had to come out on both occasions, one with their star goaltender and the other one with their leading scorer, and has had to say, no, this has nothing to do with COVID. There is no positive test. Everyone, please calm down. Why in the world are we kind of dancing around the issue? If the man is hurt, just say that he's hurt. If the man's not feeling under, if the man's not feeling well and you have to take precaution, just take precaution. Like to me, I never, I don't understand why this is even happening. I mean, you're talking about a team that absolutely loves to disclose injuries. The Golden Knights are at the top of that list. Upper body, lower body, day to day, and turns into week to week, and eventually month to month. And we don't, we don't know if he's coming or going. But now, in this instance, when you are one week away from going to Edmonton to hopefully compete for a Western Conference crown and eventually compete for the Stanley Cup. Your top goal scorer, your top scorer is now quote-unquote unfit to play with a week to go. That's not ideal. And the fact that no one really knows what the problem is, he could be injured and it could be week to week once again. It could be month to month. We don't know this because teams now are not permitted to discuss injuries or illnesses one way or the other. So take it from how take it from either side of the coin that I labeled to you earlier, either these two positive tests that have gotten out or that have been announced by the NHL. Of course, I'm not going to say who it is, but the two positive tests, either that's a great thing or that's a concerning thing. The NBA has come out today and said that I believe 346 tests were administered or something of that sort and zero positive. Now that's a good sign because the NBA is not being shy about its injury situation. You have players who are injuring themselves in practice and they're in, and they're announcing the injuries or if any if anything. They're not hesitant to say which players have tested positive for COVID. They're not doing this. So when you're in this situation with all these players, 
you know, getting these tests and now all of a sudden, well, now they're not participating in practice. Well, now they're not playing this. Well, now they're not playing that. I mean, we're, we're literally going to go up to the July 30th game against the, against the Coyotes, the exhibition game. And if Patch already still isn't skating, then we're going to be sitting here wondering, well, how severe is this? And then at some point, somebody's going to have to say, well, come out and say something as my dog is barking. He absolutely loves that idea of what I'm saying. So, again, take it for how you will either way. The bottom line is this, is that Max Pacioretty is not skating with the Golden Knights right now. We don't know how long he's going to be out. He could very well come back tomorrow and everything will be fine. But if he is, quote-unquote, unable to participate or, quote-unquote, unfit to play, at least for the time being, that is a very worrisome thing. And, I mean, you can say all you want that it's not COVID. That's fantastic because nobody wants anybody on anybody's team or anybody in general to catch COVID. What I'm saying, though, is that if it comes to a situation where it is an injury and you're not permitted to discuss how long he's out for, that's another problem. And that's another problem in its entirety. And hopefully for the Golden Knights' sake, Max Pacioretty is not out long term. Again, he could come back tomorrow and everything will be fine. But until we know for sure, until we see 67 back on the ice, we're not going to know. So the most notable name missing from the scrimmage today was your top goal scorer. And yet have a fourth liner take his spot on the left wing. You would ideally not like to have a fourth liner take over on the wing on your top line, but that's a whole different story for another day. But as far as the scrimmage goes, we'll talk a little bit more about how the scrimmage went for the Golden Knights. But first, kind of give a shout out to the people at Rock Auto. You know we shout them out at the very top. But you guys, I'm pretty sure some of you have gone to an auto parts store with the hope of finding that one part you need. And it's literally could be the simplest thing. It could be a brake part. It could be a tail light. Literally, it could even be new carpet. It could be something that you have been looking for. And you've gone to three or four different auto parts stores and nobody has it. And you are just leaving that place with anguish and sadness. Rock Auto does not have that problem for you. If you have a computer, which is probably one of the ways you're listening to this podcast right now, you can find your way to rockauto.com, the number one place to find all of your car auto needs. And again, could be anything, literally anything that you could be looking for, Rock Auto has got you covered. A family-run business for 20 years, Rock Auto is guaranteed to get you the parts you need at an affordable price. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com. That's R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com and check out all the low prices they have and get the parts you need from the business you can trust. When you're asked how you heard about them, write locked on in the box and they'll take good care of you. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. All right, so scrimmage time. Let's talk about this scrimmage that was kind of hyped up from Peak DeBoer on Sunday, saying that this was going to be really the first game-like scrimmage that we have seen from the Golden Knights. Now, a lot of other teams have gone this scrimmage route before. You see the Maple Leafs using referees. You see other teams deciding, hey, we're going to do like a 45-minute scrimmage. The Golden Knights really haven't done that yet. They've had scrimmages, but nothing to where it, is you know kind of formidable in-game action. Vegas had that today, and like we said, Patch already out. Cousins moved from the fourth line to basically, quote-unquote, the top line. Now, the groups that we've seen 
in camp so far is Noli been the first line and the third line on the same in the same group along with the second and the fourth line so in the first line so in group a you had the carlson line and you had the uh, nick wall line with stevenson and tuck and then you also had in especially in this instance you had the second pairing and the fourth pairing technically quote-unquote fourth pairing with uh coglin and uh, at this point, it would have been Haig. Actually, no, it was Haig and Bischoff that were the fourth pairing. Now, the second pairing, of course, I'm talking about uh, Martinez and Theodore. And in the in the other group would be the second and fourth line. So you have the Stasny line. Nosek moved up from the extras to take the spot filled by Cousins, who moved up to the uh, top line, which was on Team White. And Team Gray saw Nosek, Kerry, and Reeves, something that we're all accustomed to seeing. And then you had the first pairing of McNabb, Schmidt, and then uh, the third pairing of Holden and uh, Whitecloud. Holden and Whitecloud. There you go. And you had the also you had the other extras. You had Derek England and John Merrill on Team White, and then you had uh, Haig on the uh, on the great team as well. Jimmy Schultz ended up playing forward for the great team with them losing a forward because Cousins moved to the other team. So. First thoughts from this scrimmage. Likely not the last scrimmage we're going to see before Vegas eventually moves to Edmonton for the return to return to play. Um, I don't know how much more stock we can put on the goalie situation going forward. It's very hard to look at a scrimmage act a scrimmage where you've had one week of practice, one week of live practice that the media has seen over the course of, you know, when they were doing phase two, they were doing it for five weeks. When you look at one week of live action practice, it's very hard to gauge anything. What I will say is this, the goalie situation is going to go all the way to Edmonton. Any questions that we have between who starts the game, the first game of the round robin, who starts the exhibition game, who does this, who does that, it's going to go all the way to game one of the playoffs. Because there is no way right now on July 20th that anybody has any definitive answer that says either Robin Leonard or Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be starting in net for game one of a playoff series. And for as much as we want to analyze and over overreact to any goalie battle that there ever is, this is a situation where I think we can definitively say this is going to go all the way to the beginning of August. Because no, there's no way that DeBoer is going to talk about all of these uh, position battles, goalie battles, what have you. There is no way that he is going to be talking about this all the way up until February or February until up until August. We're not going to know until we get there. And I think we all need to take that with a grain of salt. Now I will say this. Leonard looked very good. The only goal that he allowed was off a, uh, off a deflection of cousins skate off the pass from uh, Derek England, which was set up by a brilliant pass from Mark stone uh, that's the only goal he allowed. The only, the other two, the, the only other goals that were allowed were four coming from, uh, allowed by the white team and not really any of them. And I, and I love, it's been a while since I've been, since I've said this, you can't blame him on flurry because a couple of the goals that he allowed were because his, the defense in front of him did not provide any resistance in the crease. There was just absolutely no chance for Flurry to make all the saves he did. He made a couple of great saves in front when he didn't need to, but 
you're not going to see that kind of defense in the playoffs, at least for the Golden Knights' sake. You better hope that you don't see that kind of defense in the playoffs. Um, but I thought, other than that, Flurry played fine. He he had one instance, and it has nothing to even do with a, with an actual like noticeable thing. It was just the funniest thing of the entire scrimmage. Marshall comes down the right side on a partial breakaway. He fires a fires a shot from the circle. Uh, Flurry makes the save. Flurry gets up and he starts doing some modified Ali shuffle right in Marshall's face, and just everybody busts out laughing. It was it was classic Flurry. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, as far as what else I saw, Mark Stone is Mark Stone. I, I mean he. He does what he does on both ends of the ice, and he's just so good. And when that top line is healthy, and when they're playing the way that they are, and when you really think about it, that top line has not seen a lot of action since DeBoer got there. Because you remember, Carlson missed a few games when DeBoer got hired. And then Stone and Pacioretty were kind of dealing with injuries, and then Stone got hurt, and then Pacioretty and Carlson had to kind of take the load there. There hasn't really been a, a full like stretch of games where we've seen that top line in action, like at least consistently of like 10 games. Hopefully when they get to the playoffs, you're going to see that, but no matter who is on the line with Mark stone. And in this case, it was Nick cousins today. There's just this inkling that no matter who stone is lined up with, he's so good. He, he does. So, he's so good at everything. I mentioned, I mentioned the pass that was there uh before the cousins goal i there were just so many different instances especially defense his poke check game was fantastic as it always is uh again is it surprising that he's not a not a finalist for the selkie not really but when you talk about guys who can impact the game at both ends of the ice if stone didn't get hurt more than likely he probably would have gotten enough votes especially if the season played out the way that it did because it's not a fluke that he wasn't a final that he was a finalist for the Selkie last year. He was that good. And when you get a guy who can play his ass off, really, on both sides of the ice, all the way leading up to for an entire 60 minutes, that's the guy who's going to eventually be the captain of this team. I mean, that's just the way it is. Carlson, I thought, looked fine. The third line, I want to talk about the third line for a second. The third line has been very good in camp, not even just in the scrimmage. The third line, and it feels like it's been forever since we've said the words, the Golden Knights' third line is good. This might be the combination that works for the Golden Knights. This might be the combination that finally says, okay, they have a formidable top nine. Forget a top six. If the Golden Knights had a top nine, they would be as dangerous as any team in the Western Conference and in the league. When you can have that third line be as impactful as possible, you're going to make a difference in the games, and I and I even remember saying last year, it made it would have made I I don't know really at the end of the day how much difference it would have made for Eric Halla to play in the playoffs had he gotten there. But if Halla was playing and if Halla was available, if the Golden Knights made the run beyond the Sharks, yes, absolutely game changer to have a 29 goal scorer on your third line. If Alex Tuck stays healthy, that third line is going to be good. And I'm talking about Chandler Stevenson on the left, Nick Waugh in the middle, Tuck on the right. There is just something about that combo. And I don't know if it's because you can interchange Waugh and Stevenson because those are two guys that when you watch them play, it's you know what you're getting. And they're not so 
they're not dynamic in one area. But if you were to put Wall on the wing, we've seen what Wall can do on the wing. If you want to put Stevenson at center, we know what Stevenson can do at center. He centered a line with Pacioretty and Stone at one point this year. Those three, along with Tuck, could be a huge game changer for the Golden Knights if they produce well. Now, Tuck is going to get some power play time. Stevenson and Waugh have been seeing some stints on the PK during practice as well. So they're going to get their ice time. It's not like they're going to be forced out of this whole thing. But I love what that third line brings. And it's not necessarily a full-on physical third line that will just wear you down, like kind of like what a fourth line would do. But for the last couple of years, it's been very difficult to find the right identity for that third line. For Vegas, it has been very difficult to find that identity for that third line. They tried, remember, go back to year one. They tried it with Perron. They tried with Tatar. They tried with Carpenter. They they even tried with Halla at one point. There was just nothing that clicked. And even last year, Cody Eakin was another. uh, God, we forgot all about Cody Eakin. Cody Eakin obviously is a name that you look at and say, well, could he have done the. If Cody Eakin did what he did in year two to year three, he would be on this roster right now, but he's not. So Cody Eakin, with the inability to produce consistent offense, that wasn't the answer. Then they tried putting Stevenson on the third line. That didn't work. Then they tried Zekov, and they tried Stasny. They tried all of these different combinations, and it just didn't work. I think the Golden Knights finally have a combination on the third line that is actually going to work. I think if Tuck stays healthy, Tuck looks like Tuck, Tuck looks like he's in fantastic shape. Just just not even he's not even electrifying everybody with the scoring ability. His back checking has been really good. He's he looks like the aggressive four checker that we saw in year 1 when he was you know just deer in the headlights Alex Tuck. He looks like somebody who is ready to say enough with all this crap. Let me go out and play hockey. And so far, he has done that. If he can do that, he is going to make life easier for Stevenson and for Wah. Now, Wah, we've already seen all year, given the 35, 36 million call-ups to Chicago, Wah deserves a permanent spot on this roster. He has earned the top six minutes he got when everybody was hurt. The same goes for Chandler Stevenson. They both have earned their spots on this roster and you can tell by putting those two together those guys are hungry and i think that's what the golden knights have really needed from the middle six and really even the whole top nine in general they needed guys who were hungry and i'm not saying guys like Perron or tatar they, they weren't hungry it just didn't work it works now it works now the same can be said for the fourth line when cousins is on the fourth line center spot Tomas Nosek is going to be revered in this organization for many years for what he's done as a, a really an unselfish guy. He's had big moments for the Golden Knights when they've needed him to have big moments. He scored some of the biggest goals in franchise history. He is someone who is going to be revered for a long time. But Nick Cousins, I think, is more of a dynamic game changer on that fourth line and it's not because like he's a goal scoring savant has nothing to do with that nick cousins is 
really he's the guy that when you put him in the middle between Reeves and Carrier, he kind of stirs the drink. Now, Cousins, we've all heard, is like a whether no matter who you talk to, either a really good trash talker or a really bad trash talker. He's not gonna he's not gonna elbow you in the mouth like say a Carrier or a Reeves will. But he will start some stuff. And if you and this has nothing to do with Nosek because Nosek has valuable traits that make him uh, in, uh, indispensable on this team. Fantastic penalty killer. He does well in the face-off circle. We, we've known this for a while. Cousins, though, I think adds that extra extra grit on the fourth line. Not that they didn't need any more grit with Reeves and Carrier, but man, you put him in the middle with those two, you don't want to mess with that line. And it's not like Nosek can't throw down or Nosek can't be physical in his own right, but Cousins is just a different type of animal. And I think that fourth line has shown a lot of toughness, a lot of grit, and a lot of like ready-to-punch-him-in-the-mouth type of stuff. If there's a line that teams do not want to mess with, it's that line. And now you add Cousins to it. Again, again, contract year for Cousins as well as Stevenson. Those are the only two RFAs that have not been tended to yet. Cousins has a good showing in the playoffs. He's going to make a good payday, just like uh, just like Stevenson will as well. Um, the other the other noticeable thing I wanted to point out: Zach Whitecloud has been very good, and DeBoer touched on it today during the Zoom call. Zach Whitecloud, and I and I and I don't want to take all the credit for this. I want to give credit to Dan Duva, who the radio voice of the Golden Knights, because I was watching the the Golden Knights practice on the on the live stream on Sunday. And he said the words that I thought emulated White Cloud very well, and they emulate a guy like Peyton Krebs very well. Student of the game. Student of the game. Sponge. Like, those words stick. Zach White Cloud has gone from really a very good defender in Chicago to now no longer scared of the limelight. He has earned himself a spot on this roster going forward. He is go- he seems like someone that is not afraid of big time hockey because he's not someone who's going to make the flashy play. He's not someone who is going to make the eye-opening pass from blue line to blue line. He's not going to do that. He's going to make the smart reads. He's going to make the smart plays. And when you have him next to a veteran like Nick Holden, again, they're not going to amaze you offensively like Schmidt, like Theodore, and sometimes even Martinez. Zach Whitecloud is showing how valuable of a pickup he w- he has been for the Golden Knights. And in a, sp- in, a, in a time where we spent so long trying to figure out who was going to take hold of that sixth defenseman spot. And we all thought that going into this season, it would be a guy like Nick Haig who has a, who has a howitzer for a shot. We also thought that it would probably be someone like Jimmy Schultz, who's quick and has a very good shot as well. No one really talked about Zach Whitecloud. And I don't think it was until uh, Pete DeBoer was named coach that he looked at the roster and said, why don't we get this kid on here and see what he's got? And absolutely, 100%, without question, Zach Whitecloud has taken hold of a roster spot. Now, what that means for his defense, for his, for his D partner next year, that is a completely other uh, discussion we'll need to have, especially if Nick Holden can't hold on to that spot. But 
White Cloud has looked very, very good. I, I mean, he has been really one of the surprises of the camp. Peyton Krebs has been another surprise game. No matter where you put that kid, he is making some plays. Krebs continues to amaze. And like uh, Jesse Granger and I talked about last week on Friday's episode, there is that possibility that we could see Peyton Krebs in the, in the NHL next year if they don't want him being overcooked in juniors. Like th- there is that possibility. Krebs has looked fantastic. You put him with other established NHLers, he could be very, very good. Um, yeah, I think the out of all of that, those are my main takeaways so far. I can't nothing really like you know alerts my eyes so much, but that that is that is where we're at in camp right now. And again, we're one week away from this team going to Edmonton and kind of seeing what they can do in hope in hopes that they can take this and turn it into an amazing run towards Stanley Cup. And then of course we'll get to the futuristics later on and see, you know, who ends up where and who signs what, but you got to like where this team is at right now, especially when talking about in the present, talking about the future. The only thing that I don't think a lot of people like 67's got to get back on the ice. Whatever the problem is, 67's got to get back on the ice. All right, so that, my friends, will do it for me today. Tomorrow, we will have another practice update. If nothing materializes from practice tomorrow, we may start looking ahead to the Western Conference matchups. Some of the uh, some of the matchups that we will see in the round robin, well, we will see in the round robin, the other three teams in the round robin. We'll also take a look probably at some of the... Uh, some of the best of five matchups. I think that might be time for uh, to kind of look at it as well. Unless we have an update on Pacioretty, unless we have anything else going on in practice, I think that's where we're going to start leaning to as we get closer and closer to phase four, which is quite literally days away from now. So until then, thank you all for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing, all the jazz that incorporates that. Uh, if you would like to follow the show on Twitter, please do so at locked on VGK. You can also find me on Twitter at Danny Webster 21. You can send an email to locked on golden Knights at gmail.com. If that does suit your fancy. Also, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating and a review on Apple podcasts, helps people find the show helps people or helps let me know how I'm doing on the show. You can also tweet at me. Let me know what you think of the show as well. We're going to try and get more guests uh, as we continue to ramp up our, our action here. And uh, it's it's exciting. It's an exciting time to finally get back into hockey, an exciting time to just get ready for the fun stuff. We're one week away from the fun stuff. And really, I think that, that just gets you so excited, knowing that there's more on the horizon. So that'll do it for me, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Again, it, it also, actually, you know what? I'll put it this way. If you have any questions for a future mailbag, Send those to me as well. I'd love to answer them. Until next time, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good day.